0: A happy new year to each and every one of you, friends, who are joining us here on the Sports Cubicle. It is the Palacious one, Paul Shivari, the hardest working man in the industry, Devin Tingle, and the marvelous one, Dan Marber, throughout the entire show. I'm Mike Mercado, and it is a pleasure to start this new year, the year of our basketball savior, Michael Jordan of 2023, with all you friends. And on this edition of the Sports Cubicle, we are going to kind of keep it loose, right? We are enjoying some of the bubbly and enjoying some of the leftover festivities from this New Year's Eve. And I think in in today's edition, we're just going to kind of chit chat about some of the local sports stuff that happened in 2023 in 2022 going into 2023 everything from the white Sox to the bears bulls and anything that comes to mind we want to know your thoughts we're on twitter at sports cubicle tv make sure you check us out on the wcpt 820 soundcloud and website and if you would like to see our pretty faces to start the new year run on youtube.com slash mercado airwaves Network, shout out to Matt Cummings, Mark Pinsky, and George Murillo for hopefully another great year. Cheers to 2023. All right, guys, let's get into it. I think because I have the two White Sox fans with me in the group as we wait for the marvelous one to join us, an interesting 2022 going into 2023. We can talk about Cody Bellinger, we can talk about Swanson, all the things that the Cubs have done and are going to do. When Marvelous gets here, but I want to talk about the White Sox because this is kind of the weird justification these two teams are having right now. I don't know if it's a crisis of identity for the White Sox or if it's just the growing pains of a new regime. I'll start off with Paulie on this one. Your thoughts of what you saw in 2022 and now the departures of Jose Abreu, this new team that's coming together, a new manager in, in what is the future of the team on the south side?
1: Well, I think when you were kind of juxtapositioning it against the Cubs, there's always been kind of like a little brother complex that the White Sox and White Sox fans have had against the Cubs. And and you're seeing, I think, teams kind of going in different directions in in a bad way for the White Sox. 2022 was a year in which I think we got to see um, just truly how the ownership feels about the fans. You know, they they sold us on this idea that there's going to be a rebuild. They They whiffed really hard on signing – Bryce Harper and Manny Machado a few years ago never really spent money on a, on a big name free agent in that time. Jose Abreu is going to go down as one of the most legendary White Sox players, and and they just didn't even let him bow out gracefully like they did with Paul Konerko. Um, you know, and not to say you know Frank Thomas didn't even have that either. I mean, Kenny Williams literally called him an idiot right after they won the World Series and never resigned him. So I guess it's on brand for the the organization, but. You know, just the, the hubris of, of Tony La Russa and and then the way, you know, I mean, he had health issues and that's how he bowed out. But that almost felt like a convenient story to just make him disappear when, you know, he wasn't being accountable for the mistakes that he was making, including, you know, uh, I, I want to say ESPN or Sports Illustrated picked the um, uh, walking Trey Turner with two strikes to allow for Max Muncie to hit that home run back in June is one of the worst uh, sport decisions of, of 2022. And and it was, and then the fact that he doubled down after the game and was saying, well, have you seen Turner's, uh, numbers with two strikes? And it's, well, yeah, in season it was 167." So you pitch to him and, and even a simple probability would suggest that, you know, you should, you know, just pitch to the guy, you know, why refresh the count would just increase the odds of the inning being prolonged. So yeah, it was, it was a bad year. And and I think, um, follow that up with the free agency period. They never really addressed the second base situation said they're going to work on it in house. We have yet to see a press conference with the announcement of Andrew Benintendi, <laughs> you know? So like that's, there, there's some red flags there. Not like that red flag though. Um, gotta get that in. I didn't realize, uh, though, to just time this out, I'm representing all my favorite teams right now. We got Liverpool, the white Sox, And then I didn't, I just realized this. We got the Raiders.
2: Hey God, Paul, it's hope- a radio show.
0: <laughs> well that's for all the unfortunate people that see our ugly mugs and more yeah, unfortunate, no, no, it's not
1: like we don't post this to youtube Or well, anything,
0: hold on. Sure. here's the thing though also unfortunate for your son Polly, who if, if it falls down to his genes good lord is that a bad trade of sports that he has and, you know if he's anything like me and my father i never picked
1: my dad's teams either good he's like him. a number two fan i you think he was help. a fan yeah
0: Continue. So. To finish off your thoughts, so we can well, end up on Devin's side. Well, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Field. To
1: finish off the White Sox, though, I you know, all the things that happened in 2022 where they, they should have won the division this year, and it was terrible. And they were they were a 500 team all year, and they were lucky to be a 500 team. And, and you just you know the, the base running mistakes, the defensive mistakes, the managerial mistakes, the the fact that they're not really attacking uh, the free agent market, the fact that they never rebuilt the farm system during the the entire rebuild. You know. Um, and then, you know, like I was saying about Andrew Benintendi, and then I don't know if you saw they increased the, the prices on certain seats around the ballpark. <sighs> and, and so that, that would affect my, my cousin's season tickets. Um, he's probably going to be priced out of the spot, and he has been a dedicated season ticket holder for the last few years. And I'm, I'm positive that this team is going to lose season ticket holders. Like they already did through COVID, which bumped my cousin up the list because he kept his plan. And then you have this happen where you have certain sections, you know, within the section, there's three different price ranges. So this is a team that, you know, it's not even the bad optics thing or the, um, you know, they're clueless. I think they know exactly what they're doing. And I think their thing is, yeah, we'll deal with it. And then I'm, I'm expecting in 2023 for the attend- attendance to drop and for Jerry Reinsdorf to cry poor that they can't spend money because people aren't showing up to the games because we're not doing our part when really fans were still showing up when this team looked dead in the water at many points during the season. So um, I'll always be a White Sox fan unless something drastic happens, but I don't think I'm going to be motivated to go to more than one game next season. And normally I'll hit about four to six a year, uh, considering how far that I live. It's just, where, where's the incentive for the fans to, to really support that that kind of product when ownership is just pretty much um, thumbed their nose at us. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm half expecting that. Um, This is just uh, some rich guy's evil plan to eventually move the team to Portland or Nashville or Charlotte.
0: So many fascinating ways we can dissect this over the next few months, over the next few years here on the sports cubicle, how it impacts the city of Chicago economically, socially, if this team moves, if they decide to stay put, what happens to the estates? when and and when that time comes for jerry whether it's you know through life or through business decisions itself but we know we mentioned here on the sports cubicle with paulie Shavari, with devin single the marvelous one dan Marvin, and myself mike mercado that you could see our ugly mugs over on youtube you saw all the fandom of paulie what he's wearing over on youtube.com slash mercado airwaves network but devin if Normally, when you're on camera, we can see all the jerseys you are repping, all the teams you love, and this is one of them, the team at 35th and Shields, a team that promised a different attitude, and as we now see, the former MVP find his home in Houston with another Chicago great, a Chicago player that lost, that won a World Series and lost a home here, ended up in Houston with Oseo Breu over there, and you know, where you hear what Paulie has to say, your thoughts on what was a, what I think a, probably a frustrating season as we talked throughout this entire season and what is going to be a very open ended, confusing 2023, your thoughts on what you saw from the, the good guys on the South side.
2: Well, I got to push back against you, Mercado actually it was a little bit different. This wasn't like your typical white Sox season because usually they're never predicted to do much. Then get really good. Like good Dole 2005 we're predicted to finish third place. This year, they're predicted finishing first, and I think ended up falling in a third place. So maybe they did have a little bit of their brand here, but just a very frustrating kind of season here. And the moment they, and I mean, this goes back to 2021, but the moment they brought in Tony LaRussa, I don't I mean I. You can go to Paul. I don't know anyone who like was excited or like this is the good move. It's like I, that seemed to be a move universally hated by most of the fans there. And of course, just seeing the team this year with just so much just garbage on the field. And then we're hearing of all this, stuff, you know, that's happening in the locker room where players are arguing with each other. There's a huge, you know, not so great dynamic. You know, when uh, Tony's out with his, you know, uh, sickness, as they call it, you know, Liam Hendricks saying there's definitely a different atmosphere in the locker room. We saw, at least with Miguel Cairo for a brief time, they were performing better and they're actually winning some games. And it's just it's been a very difficult team because the thing is, as much as we complain about the White Sox underperforming, the pitching on that team was phenomenal this year. They had really good pitching, a few bad outings from guys like Lucas Giolito every now and then. But other than that, the team could pitch very well. It's like, these are games where, you know, your starter gave up, you know, two runs, pitch for six innings, and you couldn't even muster up more than one run, or even in some cases, you couldn't even muster up one run to give your team the run support they need. And that's just the big thing here. And I'm kind of with Paul here, it's like, they don't want to spend any money. They never have wanted to, but it's like, okay, we got rid of a Bray. You one of the few guys on the damn team who could actually hit consistently of all players on this team. It's just kind of frustrating. And I do understand. It's like, okay, we're we going to put Vaughn. It's like, I don't know. Why does the team have five DHS to begin with in the friggin' first place? And I am this close to cussing on this show for the first time.
1: <sighs> first time.
2: Yeah. I, I say, Paul, I wish I could cuss a lot in this show here. And just it's, I don't have high hopes for 2023. I almost said 2022 again. Um, At this point, I don't know what uh, they're really, it doesn't seem like there's much saving the team here. But then again, I've noticed with the White Sox, if you don't have your hopes up very high, they don't disappoint you as much. And it might be because it's like, okay, you're not predicting it. Or maybe they do turn it around. I mean, I've talked, me and Paul have argued about the 2012 White Sox season until he turned blue. And here we are 10 years later, still arguing about that crap. Just, (laughs) <laughs> That's it. But I'm I'm going to throw this back to Paul and I see Marver. It looks like he's here. I think you two are the only ones who know uh, we're around when the White Sox tried to move before. Now the city of Chicago stopped them. So I'm not too worried about Jerry relocating this team just yet.
0: Before we throw it to Pauly and to the Marvelous one about that, I think that's a good way that we can end this chapter of this conversation heading into 2023 on the Chicago White Sox before we head over to Waveland and Addison. And Pauly, I will I will start with you, and then we will move over to Marvelous to cap off this thought and head to the north side. But that idea, you and I have been talking about it forever, and we would love to hear the thoughts of our awesome audience here on WCPC over at Sports Cubicle TV, The likelihood of the the White Sox moving has now become a shadow that's looming over the city, over this team, over the neighborhood. You know, the south side doesn't get a lot of love, mainstream love. And this is something that's a fixture of it. And so many great communities down there. And this is a real thing that might happen. Your thoughts of remembering what this was a conversation during the Tampa days, talking about Indiana, and now with so many different locations, uh, your thought on that. And then we'll go over to the marvelous one.
1: I think before it happens, you know, we we would see Oakland would have to move to Las Vegas and Tampa Bay would have to figure out their stadium situation. But I think from a business standpoint, it would make a lot of sense to move this team out of Chicago. They're not really a major market team. I know some White Sox fans are kind of uh, deluded in the thinking that because Chicago is the third largest market, therefore... But they just don't put out the attendance like the Mets and the Angels do in two larger markets that are that are shared. Um, even in the San Francisco Oakland conversation with the Bay Area being such a large market, it's really dominated by the Giants, and the Giants really territorially um, have the rights to more spots. So Oakland is kind of forced out. I don't know what that means for the Cubs and the White Sox. If like the White Sox technically, you know, if they couldn't rebuild uh, Wrigley Field or relocate past. Um, South of Madison street or something like that. But I I just think if if you're a new owner and you don't have any sort of emotional connection to Bridgeport, I think you're looking at, you know, Charlotte, which is a great minor league town. And that's the white Sox affiliate. Um, You know, that's a stadium that I think with a few renovations, they could really have a really nice downtown ballpark. And it's a large enough market where I think they could support a major league team. I don't want to see that happen, but I think at the same time, even in the best years, you know, the the fan base didn't come out and support the team to make them, I think, any higher than like 15th in the whole league. And, and that's pretty sad considering it's a nice stadium. There's plenty of parking. It's very easy to get to by train or uh, by highway. It, it is technically a safer neighborhood than Wrigleyville. It, so, I mean, I, I just think it's, um, it, it's a team that was never supported by its fans, but at the same time, the ownership uh, never really gave the fans incentive to want to support a team like that. I mean, they, they really were the laughing stock of this past season and, and it's sickening as, as a fan to, um, to have to deal with, with some of those blows that, that, you know, the manager falling asleep in the dugout, you know? And, and, and of course, like Devin was saying, how no one was really excited about Tony La Russa coming in. I, I vaguely remember some of the older heads that remember his first run kind of looked at that, but at the same time, he was 10 years removed from the game. Even then, in the 2011 World Series, there were moments where he had some, some kind of, um, you know, old man moments. And, and this time around, it was like, you know, I didn't hate the move, but it screamed to me, oh, this is Jerry Reinsdorf's hire. This isn't Rick Hans or Kenny Williams hire. This, this is the owner stepped in and made a front office decision. And usually he's very hands off. So, um, and, and I was along for the ride. I mean, you know, the, there were the highs, but there were also some really bad lows in that one um you know I think in like 2021 even though they won the division and he became the second wins all time and he did it in a White Sox uniform there was still the fact that he couldn't just bear to put Craig Kimberl in the ninth inning when that probably would have helped the team down the stretch you know so I I, I don't know I'm not I'm never going to carry water for Tony La Russa and I think I've stopped carrying water for Jerry Reinsdorf and the seven titles that he brought to Chicago but I, I don't think this team moves forward um, with him still in control. But keep in mind, too, he's only, um, according to Forbes, only a 19% uh, majority um, uh, holder of the team. And that's not the true majority. So he's just the elected chairman. So um, there's a whole board of these fools. So once Reinsdorf is gone, it doesn't mean that things necessarily get better. And just unless someone steps in like like Steve Cohen is with the Mets, where it's like someone with an emotional connection to this team I see a businessman that's smart say, you know what? I think we've exhausted all of our options with this 30 plus year old stadium on 35th street. I think it's time to examine better options and the suburbs don't make any sense. So why, why even keep it in Chicagoland at that point? It's going to be so major league too many
2: times, Paul.
0: It's, yeah, I mean, God, God yeah. bless. Well, does it feel
1: like it? I mean, when, when are we going to yes. get the propeller plane flying them to uh, all around the country for the
0: road <laughs> game? Well, when you find a catcher that's all the way in the Mexican league. So uh that'll be it. Uh, marvelous.
1: Next, I'm going to be selling white wall tires on the other line.
0: <laughs> Wild thing, you make my butt stink. Uh, so marvelous, you hear this as a historian. I think <laughs> you, you, you've seen so much baseball and you know how much, these two teams mean to their fan bases. I mean, we'll, we'll jump to the North side in a second and some of the excitement, but what a bummer it would be, right? And and to start the 2023 with that shadow of the White Sox leaving uh, a fixture of their part of the city.
3: Yeah, I don't see them moving personally, but I guess it could happen. I mean, there are some options, like you mentioned, the Charlotte option, and I think Montreal is a good market too. <laughs> I think Tampa, if they move there they would have had problems there because Tampa's having problems right now. So uh, I don't know. I, I just see them staying there and it would be good, you know, they have two teams in the fog. I'm just so used to it. I can't imagine it not, not being the case down the road.
0: And I guess that is a a conversation, a topic, something that we will keep our eyes on. And and we will all have good vibes that, you know, we all give each other a hard time. We bust each other's chops as Cubs and Sox fans, wives, husbands, brother, sister, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpas, because it's it's part of our culture. It is who we are, you know, as sports fans in the city. But Marvelous, we got to go to the north side to the team with the blue pinstripes and the Ivy with the break. And we want to remind everybody to please follow us on Twitter at SportsCubicle.com. TV. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Mercado Airwaves Network. Check out the SoundCloud over at WCPT 820 SoundCloud. Also on the website, you can see all the other amazing programs we have here at the station. And we want to thank you all for joining us here on this new year. It is 2023, the year of our NBA savior, Michael Jeffrey Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. It's the Paulacious one, Paul Shivari, the hardest working man in the industry, Devin Tingle the marvelous one, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado and marvelous one. It has been a at points frustrating, but there was a jackpot at the end of this rainbow called Dansby Swanson for the Chicago Cubs. Jamison Tyone ends up. In the rotation, you do lose Wilson Contreras, but Ian Happ is now a gold Glover. Cody Bellinger is out there with Suzuki, making sure that this is a very strong infield and outfield. Now, all of a sudden, you're a top-tier defense on, on paper. Marvelous, your thoughts on what uh, what we saw from Hawkins and we saw from Jed and we saw from, from – Cray and Kenny and the entire Ricketts family and this ownership now heading into 2023 with a very frustrating 2022 or eh, 2022 for the Chicago Cubs?
3: Ernie Banks would say. <laughs> I can't think of anything that arrives with 23. <laughs> it would be great. And if it was an eight, I could do it. But no, I think that it they definitely will be improved from last year. Honestly, and, um, you know, Barnhart, the catcher, is a good pickup, too, along with Swanson, obviously, and Bellinger. Bellinger, I think, will rebound a bit. And the rotation, I mean, maybe Hendricks will come back, but they have those young guys that showed some of their their stuff there towards the end of the year. And they had to pay Allen, so, I mean, there's a possibility they could make the playoffs, believe it or not. (laughs) And uh, uh, this rebuild... I think they're in the right direction now. I wanted some veteran people. I've mentioned that several times. And now they have what we would definitely define as veteran players. And um, if they fit in and everything works out, I mean, other than the first base, I think every spot is filled now. Wouldn't you think?
0: I actually, and I said this in August, I believed it for a while just on if you're Reading what they're saying, if you're if you're looking in between the lines, I thought the idea was that they were going to end up with one of the major free agents, especially at shortstop. That's what they did. And if you're looking at the way that this team is being constructed, they look a lot like a more a a more funded Cleveland Guardians type of team. They're going to be a defensive metric team. They're going to try to have the ball on the ground. And now with the the shift changing being gone, you got to play as straight of a defense as we've seen in, in many years in major league baseball, I think what the, that's what this team, this front office has done is they're securing their, their defense. Because if you look at that rotation, there's not a lot of fireball throwers. So a lot of guys that are going to miss miss contact. And when they do get contact it's weak contact. That's what you're hoping for, at least in that part of the rotation, I think, this is a team that you still don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Hendricks. If he's going to be on your roster next year. So that's some change that's going to happen. You do need to find a substitute for Wilson Contreras's bat. back. I do know that now you're trying to find catchers that are going to be much more of a pitcher friendly coach on the field. I get that. But Cody Bellinger, let's say he does go off, right? This team is not going to pay him the next year. They're not going to give him that big contract. I don't know if this team right now is in the business of doing anything like what Correa got, or any of these other top tier like Xander Bogart got. I mean, we're still seeing what's going on with the Mets and career. that I, when you look back on the Swanson deal, this team looks like it came out with a, a heck of a bargain. And I think that's where this team is trying to position themselves in. I don't think that they're done. I do think that they're going to do now a lot of auxiliary moves that are going to deepen the bench, deepen the bullpen this is a team that can surprise a lot of people and win a couple games and be interesting in September. I still think they're going to win the NL Central. That's not necessarily just because I think that they're world beaters. Now, I don't think the division is all that great. I mean, we'll see what happens with St. Louis now that they have a big piece from a former world champion in Chicago. An interesting replacement for Molina being Wilson two totally different ends of the spectrum of that position. And I'll get to Paul for that in a second about that move. But I'm, I'm very much in the belief that they put themselves in the right path. They put themselves in the right position. This can all blow up in their face because it's baseball. One Tommy John, one wrong step of a base, one wrong sweep, and you're oblique. Like all this can happen. Right. But if Cody Bellinger goes back to the medium, if, swanson is at projecting and stays where he is over the last four years if nico horner is able to stay healthy you, you you're finding out what you have with christopher morale you do have a lot of young pitchers coming up you, you put yourself in the right path it's all whether it all comes together if you're lucky if you get a break and you spend money in, with intelligence and some risk-taking so before we throw it to Paulie about kind of the big picture of the NL central, more specifically what happened with Wilson Contreras and some of the big moves coming into the Cubs, uh, Marver, any, any kind of like final thoughts uh, uh, going up in the cranium of what you saw in 2022, but more importantly, what you're expecting in 2023.
3: Uh, we have to keep in mind that even though they're, they're divisional alignment, they're really not the way they used to be as I stated before league play is going to be a hundred percent. You're going to play every single team. You're going to play Seattle. You're going to play, you know, you're going to play, uh, 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 every team, Tampa, you're going to play Boston, to play the angels. It's just going to be a little weird. I think schedule wise. So I'm not sure how that's going to affect things, but you could have, you know, a 500 team win the division as a result. Let's say the American dominate, uh, and the Cubs only play the Cardinals, uh, two and two, uh, visits. And one of the visits is to London, and that's the Cardinals' home game. So it's going to be kind of weird to me that there isn't going to be a lot of divisional play compared to what we're used to. So that makes me wonder how it will, you know, end up in the division. So I think they can win it, but it's not because they're going to do so well against the division. It's because they're going to do so well against the American League, <laughs> oddly. So but what the, they have the pieces in place to be better. And I think that they have enough to make the playoffs. They so win the division. I don't know. But, you know, again, and they, they have... Even they're doing their usual bullpen thing where they get a veteran reliever to come in that they'll probably trade at the deadline if they're <laughs> if they're a trader. So I think I think they're in the right place. They're, I don't think that they're going to win the World Series, but I think they'll make the playoffs.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun, Marvelous, talking about it coming up in February when Pitchers and Catchers report. And if any other crazy things happen, you know, the Marvelous one, Dan Marvin, and myself will be all over it. But Polly, you're hearing all this and you've seen the excitement. You saw all the moves. And you're all over this. You cover this over at the Baseball Weekend Journal. This is, this is something you're off. You don't have an offseason. The season's going on all year long. And if you want, if you need that baseball fix, make sure you're checking out that podcast over there. Make sure you plug that, Paulie, so all the awesome listeners over here at the Sports Cubicle can get that. But your thoughts on, on all the craziness, the Cubs hitting on, on some big names, bringing them in, taking some flyers, and then what the Cardinals kind of did and, and kind of the rest of the NL Central.
1: I I think Cardinals are still the better team on paper, but I think we've seen every year that the Cardinals or not the Cardinals, but just the teams that win on paper don't always win the division. And, you know, I, I like the dynamic of this team. And I think this, this would be a big year to see if if David Ross is truly the right manager for this squad. Cause I think he's got, he's got the pieces. They're not going to be world beaters, but at the same time, like, like Marver was mentioning how, you know, it's a different schedule this year. So, you know, it's not going to be as much divisional play like we've seen in the past. I, I think it gives them an opportunity to kind of sneak in there. But but I think you have to win the NL Central to make the playoffs because there's just way too many top heavy National League teams. You know, uh, you know the Phillies coming off their, their run, uh, the Mets, you know, how they're always spending. Of course, there's always the Dodgers. Cardinals have some really good players on that team. Don't forget that Paul Goldsmith and Nolan Arenado are still there and they both basically could have won MVP last season. So, you know, when I, when I look at this team, you know, I, am excited to see what they're going to do in the summer. Um, but, but I'm not convinced yet that they're a division champion yet, but at the same time, it's an attractive place to play. They've got an exciting young pitching staff, you know, the, the return of Cody Hoyer this year can make an impact in that bullpen. It's um, it's going to be a fun squad to watch at Wrigley regardless. I don't think it's going to be too much of a train wreck, especially when you're in a division against, you know, Pittsburgh or Cincinnati, you know, and, and, and the Milwaukee Brewers, I don't think improved too much, um, you know, after their, their trade with uh, Seattle recently, um, you know, it was a very Milwaukee type of trade. I, I just, I don't see the Brewers winning the, the division either. So, so I think the Cubs are, are a solid two, which is an improvement because we all expected them to finish third last season going into 2022, So I think going into the season right now, and I know there's still some time to, you know, iron out the rosters and there's still some free agents still, you know, in play and some holes that need to be filled. But I think right now they're a solid number two in the NL central and, and the Cardinals don't scare me too much either. So it is uh, the likelihood of the Cubs winning the division has increased this off season with moves like, like bringing in Dansby Swanson and Jamison Tyone.
0: So where can the awesome people check you out? If anything happens, from now until February, if anything happens as, you know, from the White Sox point of view over at the North Side with the Cubs, where can the, the awesome people check you out if they want some baseball 24-7? The
1: um the podcast is always up on, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all those good places. Um, you know, trying to put out content, you know, every week. Um, you know, I, I mean that's that that's where I'm at. You know, it's it's mostly a podcast-based uh Thing you know, I don't I don't really write much in the journal these days. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where where you'll find me. And of uh, you know, spring training is coming up. I think we just hit like the the off season solstice in between the last out of the World Series and the the first pitch of spring training or the first uh, workouts of spring training. So it's right around the corner. Just a little bit more winter to go. Now we're in that weird uh, post holidays malaise uh, before we get to uh, February and all the good things that come with that. And then before you know it. March 29th, will be here, and we'll be watching some uh, some baseball that counts once again.
0: It's the baseball week on Journal. Make sure you guys check it out with Paulie, Dangerous Paul Shivari, our our guy uh, Devin. Before we move on to what's going on in the future of the NFL and the Chicago Bears, you're kind of you you heard everything that's happened from the side of the Cubs fans, a national expert's prediction, and and kind of idea. What are your thoughts as somebody who roots on the team on the South side, but seeing what's going on and the North side and the NL central.
2: Well, watching Cubs baseball last year was some of the uh, most uh, nauseating moments of my summer. And I mean, I was always rooting for the other teams. I went to a few games with my girlfriend who is a Cubs fan And it's just, it wasn't the best this year. And I mean, definitely nice to see one team in Chicago is willing to spend some money and make some changes here. Although let's take a look at the last guy who was 28 years old that they signed from Atlanta to a seven-year deal and how well he worked out, at least in the field, at least. But, you know, it's just, it's kind of a little more exciting that there's, you know, one team that is willing to make some, I'm going to have to get one of those Stephanie Miller, like buttons where I can just bleep myself out every now and then. (laughs) Jesus. It's nice to see one team here actually willing to try and make a difference in, bring something to Chicago because I was talking about this with another coworker and we're probably going to dive in. This is like, we are Chicago. Why do we not have a team that is in the playoffs every single damn year right now? And just, it's nice to see one team even try. And so if the Cubs can be that team that at least makes it to the playoffs, you know, and for three, four years in a row, I, I am one of those people like, let's just be happy. Chicago has something because my God, it's depressing around here.
0: So we have about 10 minutes left to, uh, uh, with each other, a very awesome way to start the new year. All four of us around the cubicle talking sports. And I think for the last 10 minutes, each of us spends a few minutes kind of talking about the winter sports. We're not talking about the Blackhawks. They haven't been forgiven and they suck. So we'll talk about them when they get either their number one draft pick or the old man dies, but. Before we uh, uh, move on and, and get ready for the rest of 2023, let's go around the table. We got about 10 minutes left on the clock, and we could talk about winter sports, whether it's what's happening with the Chicago Bulls or since we do have a Raiders fan, your favorite team in the NFL or an NFL big story. And, and we'll start with the local Raiders fan here. You know, Paulie, anything that you've seen specifically about the Bulls that's interested you or something that's kind of, mesmerized you or infuriated you. A lot of stories coming up in Vegas itself of the NFL uh, in 2022.
1: I think uh, if you want to talk about relevance and, you know, the, the recent stuff uh, just the Derek Carr situation with the Raiders, it's just, it, you know, I'm kind of mixed on it because I've I've always carried water for how good of a quarterback he is, you know, not one of the most elite quarterbacks, but I, I think he's gotten dragged through the coals a lot in his career um, considering he's played on every single season. I, I don't think there's been a defense that's been, uh, you know, top 20 in his entire career in in Vegas or Oakland. And, uh, you know, this year is the same thing and, you know, very porous pass defense, uh, but he's leading the league in interceptions and uh, that, that Christmas Eve game against Pittsburgh was, was fairly brutal. And, and I think too many times he was trying to force bad passes to Devontae Adams, but, With with what he means to the organization and the way his contract is set up, it's just kind of the saddest way to see him go out. And now I have to defend Josh McDaniels, which is hard. But at the same time, I I don't think people understand that replacing a coach every season sets your franchise back almost two seasons. So you know you're not going to be able to just flip a switch and fix it with the next guy that comes around. this is also a fan base that wanted a special teams coordinator to be their coach because of the way the season ended last year. And I think they were a talented team that just got managed properly that probably could have still made the playoffs with John Gruden, even um, if he didn't go through everything that he went through. So it, it's, it's sad to see Carr go. That was the big story this week. And, and I, I was saying before that broke that I was kind of done with him anyway, because I think it's just, you're, you're, you're if you're going to keep repeating the same mistakes, you're going to have the same outcomes. And, and I think it's time to move on. Um, but you know, the, the organization is going to have to do something drastic. And I'm looking right now, a highlight comes up on the screen and Jarrett Stidham is having like a great game right now, three touchdowns, 14 for 18. And, you know, and it's, uh, they're leading San Francisco and they've got nothing really to play for. They have a less than 1% chance of making the playoffs. So, um, you know, it is what it is in the NFL. And I think it's just, um, you know, a, what have you done for me lately type of league. And, uh, despite the fact that they brought Devonte Adams over to the team, who's best friends with Derek Carr, you know, you have, uh, you know, a team that's looking to move in a different direction, despite the fact that they have some pieces in place.
0: Do you think, because this is the thing Bears fans are talking about, and, and I'm sure Marvelous and and Devin, if they talk about the Bears, will mention this. Devontae Adams is somebody that Bears fans, along with DeAndre Hopkins, T. Higgins, a bunch of different guys, have their eyes and hearts set for, for the Christmas, for the 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 Santa Claus of the NFL to bring them next holiday. <laughs> Do you think Devontae Adams? Do you think Tay stays with the Vegas Raiders now that his, his boy, his college quarterback, is there? Isn't there anything? no? I
1: don't. I don't. From what I've heard, that he's really upset that this whole thing happened. The whole reason he can't he wanted to come to Vegas was because of Derek Carr. So I mean, could you imagine relocating for your friend only to find out that your friend won't be there in year two of your two year commitment? Um, and the Bears need the Bears need a wide receiver. The Bears are sitting on either the first or second pick and the entire draft. And, and I think if this is a team that's ready to, to move on, you know, maybe you trade that pick and get Bryce young, you know, I think, I think, you know, out of Alabama, I think that's that would be the best move that the Raiders could make. And and of course you have Tom Brady's offensive coordinator and he's set to be a free agent this year. That's a rumor too, that he might be there. And maybe he's training his replacement Bryce young, but I mean, I I don't want to get ahead of myself here because it's, you know, we we just got to get through the season. We still have to see if they trade or release Carr. Um, but I've sat through so many bad Raider seasons that I don't think I'm clamoring to watch them, you know, retool this thing, you know, and I think they, they need a quick solution, but based on the way that they built that contract with Carr, they pretty much are either forced to keep him for two more years at a hefty price or move on from him now with a small dead cap hit of only $5 million, which, which is pennies compared to what, the dead cap hits are on some of the big, big quarterbacks in this league. So that, that, that stuck out to me. And, and, you know, I know we're in, you know, Chicago market here and no one really cares about the Raiders like I do. So I'll, I'll revert it back to the bulls and um, frustrated that this season was supposed to be kind of a, a carryover from last year where they were one of the better teams in the East and they've been struggling below 500 uh, games that they've been losing just late or just not coming back, you know, and, uh, just, just small margins that they're losing by. And, and it's a hard team to figure out. Cause it's like you beat Milwaukee one night and then you lose to Cleveland, you know, and, and last year they struggled to beat the really good teams. And this year they're beating the good teams, but they're not beating the bad teams. So, and, you know, and then once again, you've got the whole, well, if you're going to keep, you know, bringing out the same guys, expect the same outcomes. And I, and I think and Devin and I talked about this last week on the show that we think with, you know, Uh, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and uh, Vucevic, you know, that's not really a, um, you know, the big three, you know, that you'd want in the NBA, you know, it's not the household name, big three. So I think they're going to have to move on from somebody, uh, you know, whether it's uh, DeRozan or or Levine. And I I think that they, if they can find a better free agent, you know, that they got to pursue it. But I I just don't think guys want to play for the Bulls these days. And and I think no matter who comes to the Bulls, they're always going to be compared to Michael Jordan. I think that that kind of rubs some guys the wrong way where they, you know, it's very big shoes to fill and, and the expectations are going to be really high for whatever superstar ever comes to Chicago. So, you know, I think they're kind of just stuck right now with what they've got. And I've heard you, you probably know about it way more than I do about, I've heard about the locker room, how there's been some frustration, particularly, I think between Levine and DeRozan. And and I think that's always been a problem from day one is who's the, the number one star of this team. And it always felt like to me that Levine had the talent, but DeRozan's the one taking the shot at the end of the game. So, you know, I think, I think it's a team that already on paper had had a problem to begin with, and, and some of these things are, are coming out right now. So we'll see. I mean, but at the same time, there's still half a season left to play, and what, it's what the top 10 get to make it into the playoffs with the play-in games? Yeah. So, you know, anything can happen come April, but, but it's just been what a lousy follow-up to what was an exciting season last year.
0: And, and it's what we've always said. The toughest title to win in Chicago is number seven. And uh, marvelous, I think this is. A, it's great to transition to you. I mean, we, you and I, do Bears pose throughout the entire season. Thank you to to you guys for holding it down Christmas Day. But I mean, let's start with the Bulls. We have a few minutes here left in the show for you and Devin to kind of get off your chest what's going on on the for the the West Side team and the team on the Lakefront. But let's start with the Bulls. Over the last few weeks, Marvillis, your thoughts on this Levine and and situation against him and DeMar and the entire team, how they're playing, and then we could talk a little bears on um, what you've seen from Fields. But let's start with the Bulls.
3: Well, the Bulls, obviously, Levine, they decided to keep him, which was a, you know, a big move over the offseason. And, you know, they showed some great excitement when the New York and Atlanta wins at the last second. But then they give up 150 points and they lose to, like, the worst team in the league. So they're quite inconsistent. But the odd thing is they have the same parts they had at the, the beginning of last year. And they were among the top teams in the league when they started out last year. And they and they, they can't ever seem to beat Milwaukee, but they did. So they're, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. It, it, it's very odd. And like you say, the top 10 teams make the, make the playoffs in some, to some degree. And they may be able to sneak in the top 10. And you're right, you guys are right. They probably need some changes, but it isn't going to happen immediately. And they and they and they really uh, you know set themselves up with Levine and, and DeRozan, and if they're not getting along, well, then it's Donovan's job to make sure they get along because uh, they're going to be together for a while at least.
0: And then when this all comes together, we'll see what happens. As a team that doesn't have a lot of draft capital, and the only thing they have when it comes to expiring contracts is Vooch. We'll see what happens with. Iowa with Kobe White with some of these other players around them, like a Caruso and whatnot, but it'll be something that and I will be covering throughout the all-star break in February, the trade deadline and a few weeks into that. And of course heading into April and this summer, But marvelous before we head to Devin, I need your thoughts on some, some talk on the lakefront. I went to bears (laughs) eagles before I head to Florida for my Christmas vacation with my amazing family, but it's been some, Amazing highlights for Justin and frustrating losses from a team that we knew is going to be bad at this point. And now it's all about how high of a draft can you get? Your your few thoughts heading out of twenty twenty two into twenty twenty three for the monsters of the Midway.
3: First, I want to make sure that you recovered from your pneumonia (laughs) at the Eagles game. We had like fifteen layers of coats. I I understand that was the uh, had to be the coldest game ever played in the (laughs) Lakefront, for sure. But in terms of today, I mean. If you just watch the game from, from the opening kickoff and the Bears driving down and getting the touchdown, and they look like a, a, a terrific team. And considering that's all that I actually watched, <laughs> they, they looked like a terrific team. But unfortunately, they gave up 34 straight points. Now, Matt Iberflus now has the dubious distinction of having the longest losing streak of any head coach in history of the Bears, nine. So it makes you wonder about, the fa- about what his uh, skill set is as opposed to, i mean obviously they've had a lot of close games and fields has shown his great skill and they have you know using his running ability even having comet handoff to him i mean there's, there's a lot of good things going on but the fact of the matter is they still lost nine in a row which is good because they're going to get the first or second pick but uh, <laughs> it's ugly and the funny thing is you got these eight and eight teams seahawks commanders packers lions etc that have playoff opportunities so, I mean, it's not a big jump to get to like eight and nine or nine and eight. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's my minimal hope for them going forward.
0: So it'll be something that we have our eye on this whole off season. Hopefully Justin stays healthy. Devin, the floor is yours. What did you see over at the Madhouse on Madison and over at the lakefront? Uh, it's been a At times frustrating, at times confusing, and even worse, boring for either one of these teams. But your thoughts about Fields, about Levine, about everything you've seen from our winter sports? Well,
2: I'm a little, I'm I'm a little upset with Levine in the hole. We gave him this big contract in the offseason. Now he's like, trade me. And I'm like, I'm kind of torn to the hole. It's like, yeah, I want to see you in the same time. It's like, we gave you everything you wanted right here, bro. And this is how your attitude is going to be. And that's kind of all I'm going to say there. We and Paul did discuss this a lot. I think this might be the time where, you know, a, a rebuild might be needed here because this team just, they seem to be a real surprise out of water, a surprise fish out of water story last year. But looking up the uh, standings of the uh, East, there are two teams in the top 10 that have an under 500 record, and that is the Hawks and the Bulls. So there is still some crazy hope that they can sell those magic t shirts and make that money there. Justin Fields is looking very. Yeah, uh, let's let's not discuss today's game where he didn't look so great with 75 yards, one touchdown. I mean, he did rush for 132. And as I was talking to Mercado before the show, he is so close to breaking Lamar Jackson's record, but someone here doesn't want that i'm like okay i i'm torn here agree to disagree i mean i, I once let him break the record and then just pull him out pull him out put put paul paul i okay Nathan peterman in Paul to have the uh, greatest um <laughs> can i say paul i can't say the word i want to say paul will be just as static in a room that magically becomes filled with white happiness we'll just uh leave that Weird, one there like
1: i predicted that uh in garbage time you'd want peterman to come out there. i'm not doing it's this like the, the, i'm
2: not doing this
0: we're not doing do this our
1: 2023
0: we're not doing this
2: Paul paulacious loves uh pc plus np forever we'll just leave yes. it at that one there but uh <laughs> let's go back with paul and the whole thing about people like oh the bears should go for Devonte adams <sighs> okay let me get on this stupid 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 we're gonna trade the number one draft pick for a guy who's 30 years old as wide receiver okay are we gonna put what because, yeah, let's take a look at this. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bears offense gave up 41 points to the Detroit bleeping Lions. Yeah, that is the solution. Okay, let's not trade that number one draft pick for more draft picks to build an offensive line or a
1: defense. We got Devontae Adams. We're going to win. Great. Well,
2: Field good sack. You can't throw the damn ball.
1: Bears in the In the tough. mock, they would also get the number nine pick.
2: Oh, so great. I would like the number nine and maybe the six, seven. I want more friggin' draft picks. Not a guy who's 30 years old in a position like wide receiver. Who's maybe, maybe got five good years left. I'm getting sick hey, of Devin, social media. No touchdowns time.
1: by a wide receiver right now. Not doing this, Paul. But again, <laughs> but again, but again we just look, hey, look at the no, One for one. You're right. Why would you trade the number one pick for just one guy that's on the, only under contract for one year? But if you can get that guy, get him to a longer term deal for a few more years, get the number nine pick. I mean, I don't, I don't, the bears don't need to be the number one pick. Cause that's usually where everyone trades up to get a quarterback. The bears have their quarterback. So I think, I think they're sitting on something really nice here where they could move down and maybe fill some things up, but you're right. They, I mean, giving up 40 points to the lions who are decent this year. Um, I, I think, you know, they, they could address some other concerns on the team, especially, you know, defensive backfield and. And whatnot.
0: As we they draft, need an offensive line though, because they're that's where it is. Their left tackle was awful today. It, you just nailed it on the uh, uh, the you nailed it. This ends and starts for 2022 and starts 2023 like this. You have your quarterback, but all the teams that are good, the teams that are scary, the teams that were plug and play, whether they were able to trade a draft pick for a awesome wide receiver like I say, Rick Hill, AJ Brown, or you drafted Jamar Chase, all what's going on in Detroit, you have to have a good front four, and a strong offensive line. That's where it starts. It always has, it always will. The interior wins and it starts your foundation for a great team. You have your quarterback, you'll find your weapons. You have to protect them and you have to get the other team's guy on the ground. That's where this is all won and lost. They have their quarterback. Now it's up to this front office, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, the McCaskies. This is up to them now. They have their golden ticket in Justin Fields. Justin Fields next season, offseason needs to pull his end of the bargain and develop the stuff that he isn't great at yet. But everything is set for you. There's a bow dunk, bad organization. This is your one chance to get out of obscurity, to get ready for your brand new stadium, to get to the modern era. You want to leave back. We're talking about New Year's resolutions. We're talking about bettering yourself for the future. This is your moment, Chicago Bears. Leave back that bad stuff organizations like you do and get ready for the future in your new year. On that note, thank you guys so much for starting the new year with us here on the sports cubicle. And oh oh, Paulie is getting ready to cash in some dinero for fantasy football here at the radio station. Speaking of the radio station, we're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Check out the SoundCloud WCPT820 and the website wcpt820.com. Of course, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Mercado Airwaves Network. For the dangerous one, Paulie Dangerous, Paul Shabari. Make sure you check him out at Baseball Weekend Journal. For the hardest working man in the industry, the best producer, board op, and co-host in the industry, Devin Tingle. For the, the, the Oracle, the marvelous one, Dan Marver. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your night, and Happy New Year to each and every one of our amazing family, friends, and audience.